There's a lot to be said when someone puts in over 10,000 hours learning a skill, mastering a technique, or conquering a field. Masters and Founders looks to provide a space to learn and hear from the folks who are moving and shaking in a variety of industries. No matter what the end result, there's always something you can learn from the journey. Today, I welcome you to the first episode of Masters and Founders. I'm your host, Dan Dillard. Today, we have quite the treat for any Texas music fans listening. Jimmy Vaughn has said himself he has had the anti-career and is still doing things the old-fashioned way. Whether it's guitars, cars, or other motivations, Jimmy definitely follows his passions. Jimmy's clocked in more than 30,000 hours playing the guitar, and as much as he doesn't want us to add up the math, today we're going to honor his time and hopefully learn how to make a magical skill into a career. Here's my conversation with Jimmy Vaughn. It's our uh, very special guest and icon here in Austin, Jimmy Vaughn. Thank you so much for being with us, Jimmy. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. As you know, we have um, had a magazine here for the uh, last few, the last year on uh, Founders of Austin. And so what we wanted to do is embark on a new journey called uh, Masters and Founders. What a master is, is someone who spent more than 10,000 hours in their profession. So we were talking about before the show, uh, how many hours you guess you have uh, doing music, doing well, what you do? I started trying to play in, in 63. Okay. So. so if we figure... 2,000 hours at least a year, you're probably at 30,000 hours. I don't know. I don't <laughs> want to think about it because I got too many. <laughs> Sounds good. We need to go the other way. I, I like it. I like it. So um, the entire purpose of Masters and Founders is probably just to give others a path to follow through the journeys that we've gone through. And so when I was thinking of a, a master in, in, in what they do, I, your name just popped the top of my head because I really appreciate and respect everything that you've done throughout your career. Um, so the, the, the question uh, that I have, and I love just to dig back at history, when was that first time that you uh, picked up a guitar? When did you know that music was calling you? Well, I've told this story a lot, but when I was in junior high, um, this friend of mine said, he said, hey, man, if you want a girlfriend, you're going to have to play football. And I was like, oh, no, uh, that's not going to work. <laughs> he said, no, you have to play football. And he said, you're small. You could probably play halfback or something like that, you know. And I'd only played, you know, touch football at, at school anyway. So I said, okay, you know, do anything to get a girlfriend, right? Motivation. When you're there that it is. when you're that age. <laughs> so um, so I went down there and got in my group that I was supposed to be for the halfbacks, not knowing that a halfback was like the main guy or something, you know, or one of the main guys. Anyway, so when it came my turn to try out, they he said, Okay, I want you to run out and I'm gonna throw you a pass. So they threw me a pass and I mysteriously caught it. And then they piled on me <laughs> and tackled me, like, immediately, and I broke my collarbone. Well. Right then. And uh, so I had to go home. I went to the principal's office and the nurse, and, and uh, they sent me to the doctor, and I had to go. I was at home for three months. So my dad said, I don't know what we're going to do with you. Uh, because they, you know, the schools also are like everybody's daycare, right? That's where you take your kids if you don't know what to do with them. Right. Take them to school. Yep. 
So um, he gave me this guitar for 50 bucks that he, his friend had, had three strings on it. And he said, here, he said, maybe this will keep you out of trouble. And I've been playing ever since. And that was in 1963. Wow. So soon after that, I had a gig and we started, we had a band and, you know, couldn't play yet, but we, that doesn't matter. Well, that was what I was going to ask is, I mean, I've had a guitar for a long time. doesn't mean I can do anything with it. So you picked it up and did you have a teacher? Did, there's no YouTube back then to, to learn. How did you just figure well, it out? I just tried to play what, what I heard on the radio. And, uh, and I, my uncles played on both sides of my family, so they would show me little things. And uh, my dad knew several musicians, and they would come over and show me little thingies, you mm -hmm. know, on the guitar. So, so there was a lot of people around me that encouraged me, and you know. So you had a support system. That yeah, I guess. Yeah. And then, um, but, but you know, the main ingredient was I was desperate, and I didn't know what else to do. Okay. And, uh, you know, you know, I was right at that age where you're excited and you're trying to figure out, you know, what's going on. And, um, I didn't want to be a failure. Mm -hmm. I couldn't play football. So I was like all worried about that. And, uh, I was kind of happy that I didn't have to go to school <laughs> for three months. Okay. So I just, you know, started playing guitar and I've been playing ever since. Nice. At what point did you say, I can make money at this? Oh, well, pretty quick because, you know, we, I had a friend, uh, I had a couple of friends who also became the guys in the band. We had a trio. Mm -hmm. And uh, after a few months, we, uh, our, we started playing parties and you know, trying to play at school anywhere, mm -hmm. at the park. We lived close to a park. And uh, it just seemed like we just started playing. You know, I, th I think even that summer I had a gig five nights a week. Wow. So steady. At a club. And steady. so my dad would have to take me. And the parents would have to, f the dads would have to argue about who had to take the kids tonight, you know. And then pick them up at the They'd end. They'd usually all three be there nice. sitting in the back, you know. Nice. Very nice. The um, so during this time, was there any doubt or you know, as you start growing, I, I just my imagination is going back in history and trying to figure this out or like kind of imagine what you were going through. So, was there any doubt that this once you started down that path, that this is what you wanted to do? Was just like I want to go do other things, or what did it call you and that was your passion? And then from that point forward, you just pretty pretty determined. You know, I I didn't. I wasn't thinking about the future. I was just enjoyed playing. And I thought to myself, hey, this is pretty easy and it's fun. And, you know, it's interesting. And, you know, I was just thinking, well, I'm just, you know, going to have a record. And then I'll make a lot of money and I'll just drive away. I'll get a new car and drive off. I didn't really, I didn't really think about anything to do with reality, you know. Just, just one day at a time. Putting one foot forward in front of the other. It was fun to play, so, you know. And it, it, I, before I played guitar, I was, I was like an artist mm -hmm. at school, you know, and I was 
always drawing and I was kind of weird anyway like that, you know. Artistic. Artistic. There you go. That's the word. Was there any fear of taking something that, and I think I know the answer just by, by what you just said, but any fear of taking what you love and turning it into money? So I, I, as I interview Turning it into what? Turning it into revenue or, or, or the thing that you do full time. So I hear sometimes an artist likes to do that for their passion, but they don't really want to turn it into a business because... I didn't know anything about anything. I was, you know, I was 14, 13, 14, mm -hmm. and, you know... After playing for a, a year or so in my band, uh, the trio, then I got hired by another band. And by the time I was 14, I was playing in a band that I was making $300 a week. So I was making more money than my pop. Wow. All at of a sudden. At 14. Yeah. Wow. So uh, I just didn't think about it. I was just, you know having fun and playing guitar, you know, and also I got to stay out all weekend and I'm too young for that. So usually uh, before that, you know, my parents had taken me, my dad would take me to the gig in his truck. And uh, so all of a sudden I was out of town, you know, and, and the rest of the guys in the band were like 21. So. Gave you a lot of liberty. At a, it was, at a young it was age. great. Yeah, sounds like what a fantastic time. Yeah. Do you have any, uh, looking back on your career, do you have any favorite moments uh, you, you just kind of throughout the decades of playing? Well, we, uh, I don't know how, I can't remember how old I was because I was in that band for a couple of years. The, the Chessmen was the name of the band. And they had uh, a couple of local records, 45s, that were on, the, on their top top 40, you know. So they did really good at fraternity parties and and we would open for uh, bands that came to town, whatever they were, at the Memorial Auditorium or... So we opened for Hendrix and the Mamas and Papas and uh, different bands. That sounds... That sounds like what... Uh, that sounds like a just incredible journey. I mean, for a, you know, for a 14, 15-year-old kid, that's that's wild, you know. <laughs> and then was, you don't have to go home either, right? What was that like <laughs> when you met your first? I, I that, at some point, you were starstruck, I would think. Yes, no? Yeah, sure. I mean, any time uh, that, you know, you, met, you meet a he, one of your heroes, you, you don't really know what to say anyway. So. But it, it all seems to work out. Is that a now, I mean, being, being, do, doing this for such a long time, um, and the circles and everything you've grown, networks and all that, uh, it's just a whole different environment. I mean, is, is, it, is it, what does that, what does that feel like when you just go in, into a huge event with a lot of other artists and you just get to shake hands and is that, what does that feel like? Well, you know, it's the same when you play it. Like if you get on stage with Eric Clapton and all these people, mm -hmm. it, your shield goes up and you're, uh, you don't really think about it. Sometimes I'll go home after one of those things and I'll go, wow, I just played with Eric Clapton and Buddy Guy. Wow. You know? But while you're doing it, you know, your, your def natural defenses go up and you sort of turn into a gunslinger kind of a thing. Okay. You know? Entirely focused. It must be the same with sports, you know. Completely focused. Because if you, yeah, 
Because if you, if you really thought about what you were doing, it would freak you out. I mean, I would imagine that's the way it is. On some level, you have to think about it, but on, on another level, you're sort of in, you know, in, a, zone. in a zone. Right. That's incredible. <laughs> that's incredible. I was always wondered about that. That's the answer for all my questions. I'm in the zone. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the one topic I want to get to is change. In music, from an outsider, I have no musical talent whatsoever, but I do know that I've seen a lot of change, as in, as in with many businesses and, 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 and so, so on and so forth. With music, we've seen it go from records to a subscription service, and now there's more vinyl back. And I mean, it just changes. How do you deal personally with the change? I like records myself. They sound better than, they sound better than digital. Okay. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm 66, so I remember records and, and all that. So as far as impact of what you do though, it hasn't had any impact and you just, I really try not to get all worried about all that because there's not much I can do about it, you know, um, and just try to play good. Focus on your craft. Focus on my playing. And, uh, we still record the same way. We still record with tape. On a on a machine like this that goes around and around. Interesting. And then we manipulate it with all the new stuff, and we use the old stuff too. So we use old compressors, tape. It ends up on tape. Well, we record it digitally now, mm -hmm. like with Pro Tools. Okay. And then we at the end we put it on tape, and put it through the old compressors, and sometimes even use a old tape Echoplex and things like that. So we sort of turn it into uh, the 19 oldies before we give it back to them. Wow. Because it sounds better. That's so interesting to hear with all the equipment that you have and everything digital. So we use all that stuff right. to record and, and to overdub and everything. You just It's like having an unlimited 100-track machine but with no problems. Right. So we record it. And uh, and then we turn it into tape and then master it. Nice. That's that's very interesting. That's why it sounds warm. Okay. Had no clue. That's that's just my mind. And also the tape makes a a certain compression noise to it that makes it go like that. It makes it sound like it's just gives it a different. It's almost better than feel. What you could have imagined. Right. I liked your answer though. It's like you don't you don't even worry about what's going on in the environment. You just do what you do. You just focus yeah, on Yeah, well your... that's pretty much always the way it's been because when I first started trying to play blues and all this stuff, it was kind of a little bit of a thing. It was popular, but it wasn't the big thing. I mean, if I'd wanted to uh just do some kind of music that was popular or made more money, it wouldn't have been that. Right. So I was, I've pretty much from the beginning always kind of followed my heart and my dreams. Yeah. And uh, as if it was a, a drawing or a, some kind of an art project or something. Well, that's what Just I, for the sake of, you know. Yeah. No, that's what I love about both masters and founders and following your dream is so many 
people get fed this box. Like you got to do college, you got to do this, you got to do that. And then there's this whole stream that you've got to follow. And at some point people wake up and say, I don't have to do that. I can just do what I want. It sounds like you from a very, very young age, you just kind of yeah, followed I didn't your do what I was supposed to do. Okay. Uh, as far as everyone telling me what I was supposed to do. Just did your own thing. And, uh, so you could almost say that I have an anti-career. Everything is anti, you know, just Disruptor because I... from the very beginning. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Makes sense. What would your <laughs> advice be to a young, young artist starting today, young 14-year-old today? Well, uh, I, can, uh, I can sort of give you an example. When I was a kid and I started bringing home... Uh, Records, I would discover records from my new favorite guy, whatever it was, Freddie King or uh, Eric Clapton or some record I would find, you know, and really love it. I would uh, go home and devour it and try to figure out what they were doing and, you know, dissect it and try to figure it out. But I imagined myself, if I was in the room with all my favorite musicians, and we're having a roundy roundy, and it came around to me, what in the hell was I gonna do? Because I couldn't do what they did. I had to do something that was a little bit mine, you know? Right. So, uh, I started asking myself, what do I do? And if you do that, if you're playing an instrument, I think, and it's probably the same with art or anything, writing, if you ask your, my mother used to call it your knower. She would say, you'll know in your knower. And I was like, what does that mean? You know, well. she'd be like, you know, get out of here. <laughs> and so uh, if you, if you, whatever it is creative, if you ask yourself, what is it that I do? It'll start talking to you. Listen, listen to yeah. yourself. Yeah, that's Yeah, great so you advice. know that part of our creative part of our brain that tells us, those things is there if you access it and allow I think. it yeah and and, follow and then you you know you get more and more thinking about that stuff and it soon soon you can't do anything else except what you do which is another problem you know it creates momentum <laughs> but uh, you just keep at it if you love something it's it's good i think it's good to try and do something that you love right. because then if you're not successful you still love it right right so everything's not about money although i like money just as much as anybody but uh it's something to be said for doing something you love uh in your life you know yeah it's just like you don't want to you want to be with somebody you love right mm -hmm. you don't want to be with somebody you don't like <laughs> for sure Personally speaking, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Sure, yeah. So it's the same with music or art or uh, anything, really. Did Along your career, and I, I have a feeling I know the answer to this, but did you feel like you made any mistakes or did you just, it all kind oh, of? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I can remember one time uh, we made a couple of records in the Thunderbirds and the record company said, you know, when you guys did this 10 years ago, that was really great. We need to re redo that one because I, I think I can get it on the radio. And you're like, I don't know. That doesn't sound right. And they're like, oh, come on. It's just, you know, let's just try it. So 
Well, I remember we did a song that we did before, and we did it over for a new label. Mm-hmm. And you've moved on. So I don't know. I don't. It's 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 tough to always listen to somebody who's supposed to know what right. the deal is. You're supposed to listen to yourself, and and uh, follow your own passion. Yeah, you need to go and do your homework, right? And really think about it. But okay, cool. Well, we're sitting here in Antones, and I know that there's a little bit of I mean, the family Antones and. Um, it's an amazing family. Uh, How did you get involved with, with, with Antones and this uh, Music City culture? Well, we used to, when we first started uh, Thunderbirds, we used to play all around town, play on 6th Street, used to play uh, at the One Night, which is right over this cross over here on Red River. And we'd play anywhere, but but there was a couple of places we played all the time. And then um, Clifford started coming around, and we started hearing uh, people say, yeah, there's this guy named Clifford, uh, and he likes blues, and he wants you to come over there. So we went over there, and uh, he said, I'm going to open a club, and we're going to have only blues. And we're like, yeah, sure. Because back then, you know, it would be, all different kinds of bands, just like Austin is. You know, it's mm-hmm. always got everything. Yeah. There's 20 kinds of different bands, and and then as soon as you think you know what they are, there's another a new kind. Right. So um, I had actually never heard of a place that only had blues, unless it was some legendary place in Chicago or Mississippi or something that I'd never been. Mm-hmm. You know, from the 50s or something. So. So anyway, it was true. Clifford opened a club called Antones on 6th Street, a block over mm-hmm. on the corner, across from the Driscoll. And uh, we knew we knew him pretty good, him and Susan, and uh, all the people pretty good by then. Uh, this was a couple of years later. And uh, so we were, like, we played every night down there. And, uh, and he would book his favorite... Uh, and our favorite blues singers from Chicago or Mississippi or Los Angeles or wherever they lived at the time, and and they would come and we'd be the band. So you had to be careful because sometimes you would spend all your money on the bar tab. <laughs> You'd walk home and like well, I didn't make any money. Tonight. I didn't make any money tonight. <laughs> I owe them money. <laughs> That's but fun. Uh, That's fun. Anyway, we had a great time, and we we played down there almost every night. And there were several people that were sort of in the house band, they mm-hmm. called it. Mm-hmm. And it would depend on uh, who it was that was coming, you know, whether they needed horns or, you know, if it was more like a low-down Chicago type thing or if it was more sophisticated like Bobby Bland type thing. And so there was... It was me and Bill Campbell and Denny Freeman, uh, mostly, okay. and then uh, all different horn players, and we could go on and on and on. Wow! But everybody was hanging around. Uh, that was into that, Sounds so like it was it was really a great thing for uh, for the music, you know, for us, and and we had somewhere to go. It sounds like a lot of fun. 
It was great. Speaking of um, albums, we we mentioned right before the show that uh, you've you've got the la- your last album. What, tell me what. Oh, the name of the album is uh, Live at Sea Boys. Nice little rival club there. Yes, yes. And uh, Mike Flanagan and myself and George, mm-hmm. we play down there. Um, most weekends when we're in town and we're not out with my band or he's not out doing something. Right. And uh, so what we num- made a live recording over there. That's awesome. What number is this? What number of album? I mean, how many albums have you put up? I have no idea. A lot of them. It's probably 15 or 20. Okay. I don't know. Good. Well, congratulations. I have on to that. go count them up. <laughs> congratulations on that. That's, Thank you. That's it, awesome. it was a lot of fun. And it's, it's uh, a record that we didn't even, it's not in the studio. We went and mixed it in the studio, mm-hmm. and, uh, but it's just live. It's just what we did. I have one more question for you regarding passion, because I know you and I have looked at cars together, so uh, I know that is a passion. Any other passion? I mean, t- let's talk about cars. Let's talk about other passions. Well, like I said, I always go back to uh, when I was a kid. I I used to draw cars, and I was into cars before I started playing. Mm -hmm. So all I, my parents thought I were I was crazy. Because all I thought about was cars, and uh, I liked I got it in my head somehow that I liked hot rods and uh, custom cars from the fifties. Because I was born in fifty one, so. When I was five or six years old, I started thinking about cars, mm-hmm. and uh, and I would draw pictures of cars and build model cars, and and so when I started playing the guitar, I played for a couple of days, and I thought, hmm, if I really practice on this, I can get some money and buy a car. So it was always sort of like that carrot carrot hanging out there, you know. Yeah. And so, uh, but so, what? But actually, in reality. They're beautiful things, yeah. and uh, you know they're beautiful, and you can drive them, and mm-hmm. and so they're also a way out. I just know? connected some dots. You know, so girls led you to music, and music led you to cars. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, I know it sounds, you know, very uh, old timey uh, and everything, awesome. but I mean, it is what it is. What else is there? Do you have a favorite car? Uh. I have a, a lot of cars that I really like. You know, I like 40 Fords and 32 Fords. I like Fords a lot, mm-hmm. but I like Buicks guy. and Cadillacs. And I'm a Ford guy myself. Chevrolets, too. So I really like the, the 30s cars that are hot-rodded in the 50s. Mostly 50s-era stuff is what I really like, just like the music. So, you know, basically what I do is just pretend that I'm – Doing my favorite stuff, so. And then you just do it. And then you're doing it. What advice? I think we're going to end on that note. <laughs> that was a awesome, awesome um, thought process. Do you have anything else that we want to add to uh, our audience, and anything else we want to share about your history that we haven't talked about? Hmm. Now I've got you on the spot. You got me on the spot, and I'm drawing a blank. Um, well, really, it's just about helping others get follow their passion. I think I you just nailed wanna, it right there. I just want to say that for me, I was not particularly smart in school. I wasn't. I could do it all, and I did really. I made 
good grades up until I started playing music, mm -hmm. and then I lost interest, you know, so I just ran off and followed my dreams. I don't suggest anybody run off or do that, but, but, uh, but music was always a magical, special thing that was exciting to me, and I wanted it, and I wanted to work hard, you know, to learn about it, and still, it's still in my life, and I'm still learning. I'm still, I take guitar lessons. Oh, well. And, and uh, I'm still learning, and, uh, and it changes the whole time when you're playing. You can't stay the same, or you just stop. So you, you're always kind of yearning and searching for that next thing, you know. So I would just say there's enough people in the world, you know, I think everybody should try to do what they love or f try to find out what they love and then try to do it. I don't know, maybe that sounds silly with all the crazy stuff going on in the world, but... Um, I think you're spot on. And that's, that's what I've discovered and what I, I tend to do in my life is just follow my passion. And I love what you just said, which was, which um, you're, you were just telling people to follow what they what they do but also you're also continually studying your craft in other words you're still learning because it's always a learning process absolutely i mean and plus it, it can't stay the same it has to go somewhere you know it i guess it would be nice if you were really good all of a sudden and you just played the same record over and over but you can't do that you have to keep looking for the next chapter or well, something well you know? i think globally as humans we evolve and as human evolves as human nature evolves uh we have to evolve along with it and so what i'm hearing you say is you get to a certain point but then you see things change and you want to keep up with it and push forward and push the limits push the envelope yeah and i mean i i think that i think I, f I feel blessed that i'm in a country and in a state that i can do that you know I loved hearing that even Jimmy Vaughn still takes guitar lessons. It proves that there are always ways to evolve, learn, and improve no matter what our skill level. Thank you, Jimmy, for taking the time to speak with me. The Masters and Founders team includes me, Dan Dillard, and producer Mariah Gossett. Special thanks to Ryan Francis, Nina Thomas, Brianna Loeb, and the whole team at Founding Austin. If you enjoyed our first show, please rate and review us on iTunes as it helps other folks discover the show. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Thanks for listening.